Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. And before the episode begins, I would just like to let you know that Be Scared, which is produced along with Studio 71, features scary stories from around the globe on a weekly basis that aim to fuel your nightmares with a smile. And if you enjoy the podcast, it would be great if you could hit that subscribe button and drop a review. Thanks for listening, guys. And without further ado, let's begin. To preface this, I really love to drive. Like, hours-long drives to nowhere with... No destination in mind, just me, my music, and the road ahead of me. Living in Nebraska, I'd often take roads or lonely highways cutting through the countryside to small towns and eventually cities, and I'd usually take these drives at night since there was less traffic to worry about. I've done it since, well, I've had my license four or five years ago, and I've never once had any sort of issue, nor have I ever run into any trouble that was until a few nights ago. For reference, I'm a relatively small 22-year-old female, and as I've stated before, I often take these drives completely and utterly alone. But they're a good way to clear my head when I'm stressed, upset, or overwhelmed, or for me to get a plan together to sort personal issues out. I've also done these long and lonely drives to get away from the toxicity of my household when I used to live with my parents as a means of sort of coping with their alcoholism. Though, now that I've moved out and am in a much better place mentally, I don't really have the urge to get in my car and just drive anymore. However, on the night that this event took place, I was feeling pretty overwhelmed, stressed and anxious with a whole host of personal issues that I'd rather not get into. I felt restless and irritable around my boyfriend, but couldn't focus on anything else and I just decided that I should take a drive to clear my head. My boyfriend was understanding and just told me to be careful and to not be gone for too terribly long, since it was getting pretty late and he would worry about me. I agreed, gave him a kiss goodbye and then I left. I drove around the city for what must have been about 30 minutes, but I was still feeling on edge about everything transpiring in my personal life, so I decided to drive furthermore down those familiar dark, winding, one-lane highways. I kept the car at a steady 65 miles per hour, taking the turns at a slower pace in case a deer jumped around the bend and was just admiring the vast empty darkness of the snow-capped fields and barren trees. 
It was honestly a, a bit creepy being all alone with no cars in sight, in seemingly the middle of nowhere, the few houses miles back from the road, lightless, and the dead cornfields withered away and covered in snow. It was like something out of a horror movie if I'm being honest, and I sort of half expected to see a ghost pop up in my rearview mirror, or see someone clamber out from the patches of the trees dotting the horizon. The only light though came from my headlights, and even then I still strained to see through the inky darkness of the night. By now it was just after 11, and I told myself that once I made the familiar roundabout that would either take you to a small town or back towards the city, I would head back to the city and then home. That roundabout was still maybe about 15 to 25 minutes away, but other than my imagination picturing the worst, I wasn't really all that concerned. I mean, I was by myself. I didn't have any other motorists to worry about, right? Wrong. So as I'm rounding another bend, I notice a vehicle with its hazards flashing maybe a quarter of a mile or something away from me. It was some sort of a sedan, dark-colored, and was angled to where only part of it was on the shoulder, while the rest was jutted out onto the road, like they had to pull over in a hurry but didn't quite manage to do that. The driver's side door was flung wide open, and as I slowed my vehicle down and angled it towards the opposite side of the road to pass, I could make out what looked like maybe blood on the inside of the open door. I didn't see anyone on the road or in the car though, and I was the only motorist in sight. Cell phone reception is spotty at best in this part of the country, but more often than not, you couldn't get reception no matter how hard you prayed which was definitely the case when I took a glance at my phone to see if I had any service. So, a lone female on the road at night, pulling up near a vacant vehicle that looks like someone had been attacked on the inside with no cell service. Now, I'm no dummy. I've watched countless episodes of Investigation Discovery and Criminal Minds and read far too many true crime books to know that this had bad and danger written all over but there was still a small part of me that worried that something terrible had happened to whoever was in that vehicle and I thought that I needed to help. But these roads, they don't get a lot of traffic late at night and temperatures were well below freezing and if someone had been hurt or was in trouble, there was no one and nothing else to help them but me. Still, I erred on the side of caution. I was still driving my car, though a bit more slowly, and as I approached the vehicle, I rolled down my passenger window a bit, shut off the music, and called out. Hey, anyone there? Are you okay? I didn't hear a response. I worried that they were passed out somewhere, but I wasn't about to get out and look for them, that's for sure. I told myself that I'd call out one last time, and if I didn't hear anything, I would leave, and the moment that there was reception, I would call it in. And if I did hear someone, well, I'd figure out my next course of action just then. So again, I shout, Hey, what happened? Are you okay? And there was silence for a bit, and then I heard rustling in the shadows of the trees, followed by a gruff voice saying, Uh, yeah. I was relieved at first, and was about to say something in response, or possibly even stop my car and get out, when... I noticed three things nearly simultaneously. 
As I inched my way past the front of the sedan, I noticed that there was no damage to the hood or anywhere else on the vehicle, which I found to be strange considering the blood on the inside of the door. Then, in my rearview mirror, I caught a glance of someone coming out from behind the sedan and they were making their way towards my car fast. And the person did not have any blood on them or appeared to be injured in any way. They were wearing a mask. Not like a face mask or covert or ski mask or anything normal, but one of those masks that you would see in the Purge movies. And they were holding something in their hand. I don't know what it was, I couldn't get a good look at it, but from its length and shape, my guess was that it was maybe a tire iron or a crowbar or something. I don't need to tell you though that as soon as I saw that, I slammed on the gas the moment that I noticed those things and drove like a bat straight out of hell. My heart was thundering my chest and my entire body was shaking. My window was still rolled down in my haste and the music was still shut off so I could very clearly hear someone, definitely a man, shouting at me, though I had no clue what they were saying. I just knew that I had to get out of there immediately. I stole one last look in my rearview mirror as I drove away, mostly to see if they were getting in their sedan to follow or chase me or if they had stopped. The man with the weapon was still standing in the middle of the road watching me, and right before I looked away from the mirror, I then saw a second man emerge from the trees that had been rustling earlier, also wearing one of those creepy masks, and no trace of blood on him either. I probably broke every law for speeding that night, but... I wanted to get as far away from those men as possible as quickly as I could. As soon as I made it to the roundabout too, I turned towards town, parked in the Walmart parking lot that thankfully still had cars from who I assumed were workers closing up shop, and proceeded to have pretty much a full-on meltdown. When I could pull myself together, I called one of my friends, T, who was a police officer, to tell him what happened and what I should do. He was obviously concerned for me, and after asking if I was okay, where I was, did they follow me, etc., he told me since it was out of city limits that he couldn't really do much on his end, but he could get in contact with the local police or sheriff in that jurisdiction to take my statement and check it out. I agreed, thanked him, and while I waited for the police to show up, I called my boyfriend. Through my hysterical sobs and panic, I eventually managed to tell him what happened, not even 10 or so minutes ago. He was, as you could imagine, super freaked for my safety and wanted me to either come home immediately or drive down himself to take me home. I told him the police were on their way to take my statement so I couldn't leave and that I was okay, but I stayed on the phone with him until I saw the familiar police cruisers pulling into the lot. I gave the police my statement and they assured me that they would go back to the spot that I told them the sedan had been at to take a look and that they would try to catch the guys who did it, though with no cameras and no description of the man I wasn't sure that they'd be able to. I mean, I didn't even get the license plate number, though at the time of my panic the thought never even came to mind until the police were asking if I got it which meant that all they had to go off was a dark-colored sedan and two guys with masks. After I gave my statement, I went home and stayed curled up close to my boyfriend the whole night, listening to every sound the house made in fear that it would be those guys arriving any minute to finish whatever it was they started. Since the incident, I haven't heard back from the police about what 
whether or not they had any leads and I'm not sure they ever will. I'm just thankful though that I'm still here and that I didn't stop to get out of my car that night. I'm not sure what would have become of me if I had. I still have so many questions that have no answers. I mean, what were they doing? Why? Was that blood on the inside of the car or just a ruse to get more attention? If it was really blood, did they hurt somebody else? And what would have happened to me if I had stopped my car? Needless to say, I won't be going on any more late night drives to anywhere. I really hope that I never cross paths with those freaks ever again. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Apartments.com believes that a dishwasher does more than just clean plates. It turns your whole place into a time machine by turning the time that you would have spent washing dishes into extra time for you. That could mean more time to read, more time to knit, or more time to contemplate the vastness of time itself. With Apartments.com, finding somewhere to live with an elusive dishwashing slash time-expanding device is easy. Apartments.com hosts the most rental listings with over 1 million available units. And with comprehensive search tools and instant alerts, you never have to worry about missing out on the perfect place. To find whatever you're searching for and more, visit Apartments.com, the place to find a place. I want to start off by saying that... I really don't consider myself a, a big believer in the paranormal. I feel like a lot of the situations can be explained by logical science or something like that. But there are some things that simply just cannot be explained though. Like there were three incidences in my childhood home that I still cannot explain to this day. And if someone has experienced anything similar then feel free to give me some insight. So, when I was younger, maybe 10 or 11 I would say, we lived in a very large old Victorian house. The house had five floors, very long hallways on each floor and old wooden flooring. But there were always creepy sounds at night too and weird power outages, but that can be attributed to the age of the house for sure. And we liked this house a lot in fact. But the first incident, it happened in the attic. We called it the attic, but in reality it had a sort of family room, a bathroom, a kitchen, and even a guest room. The third floor stairs have a landing that leads to the attic door, which takes you up a flight of stairs and you come up to a long hallway on your left that leads you to the family room at the end of the hall. 
and there's a large window on your right that the moonlight comes through. When you enter the family room, there's a spiral staircase that takes you to the top floor, which is just a dark small room that we never used, except for storage. And one night, I was playing with my toys on the stairs of the third floor, right next to the door that leads to the attic. But we had a cat at that time, and as I was playing, I heard scratching in the attic. Not wanting to get in trouble for her destroying a couch, I am the one who asked for the cat after all. I opened the attic door and walked up the stairs to go and find her. As soon as I reached the top of the stairs and turned down the long hallway, the scratching stopped and the power to the house went out and I was now in total darkness. I put my back against the window and sort of slid down and stared down the long hallway, terrified and waiting for the power to come back on. As I slid down, I heard a very loud slow thump and then another thump, the sound of someone walking down the spiral staircase. That sound is unmistakable too because the steps are actually metal. The sound continued, right behind the family room door, I heard each step. The steps eventually stopped, the family room door moved slightly, and immediately I felt this rush just come over me. I got so cold and my heart started beating in such a way that I felt like I was about to leap out of my chest. After a few seconds, the door bolted open and something started sprinting down the hallway straight at me. I couldn't see a thing, but I felt the movement, that feeling you get when something is near you. And I remember that, that that was the first time I ever felt like true prey. And my heart, it was in my throat, but I screamed as loud as I could. And as soon as it got close to me, the rush went away and the cold, it left my body. My parents ran up the stairs and after I told them what happened, they went to the breaker box and came up and looked all around and found no one and found nothing. But the handle on the family door room was broken and the window behind me was actually cracked. Now, it's possible I cracked it when I put my back to it to slide down, but... It was cracked at a height that I couldn't actually reach with my body at the time. Anyway, after that, I tried to avoid that part of the house for the most part. The basement, though, it was definitely the worst part of the house. It was one of those dreary, unfurnished concrete floor basement type of things. It was as large as any first floor of a house. I mean, truly massive, too. And when you open the door, the short stairs look like you're going into a cellar. And when you come down the stairs, you have to walk forward for like several steps in the dark to find the string of the light and pull it. And even then, that light only illuminates the immediate area, not the rest of the basement. There are several lights like this the further you go, each one with a string to pull. To the left is the rest of the basement. It goes all the way back and then there's a sort of cove tucked to the left where the dogs sleep. It's out of line of sight. Since there's a small window in the cove, it casts this sort of bluish-black light in the morning and nights from the moon as well. Now, one early morning, around 5am, I had to go and feed the dog since my dad was out of town. I hated it too when it was my turn because that basement always gave me just a terrible feeling. I would always call the dogs to meet me at the stairs so I didn't have to walk down the stairs in the dark alone called for them, waited, 
and called again, but they didn't come and I heard no sound. So I walked down the stairs in the dark and held my hand out to find the string to pull the light like I always did. As I reached for the light, I saw movement at the end of the basement near the cove and my breath got caught into my chest. I pulled the light fast and the bulb popped with a quick burst of light. In that moment, I saw a man standing at the end of the basement. He didn't disappear like the movies though and man, did I wish that he had. In the dark, with a sliver of moonlight from the cove window, I could still see him standing there with his back to me. He didn't move at all and his head was sort of cocked to the left in a really sort of unnatural way, at an angle where his neck had to have been broken almost. He was probably 40 feet away from me, but as I stood there trying to force a scream through my throat that felt like it was locked up, I couldn't look away, and in those few seconds, I saw that it was less of a man and more of a, a thing. It had white translucent skin and looked really gangly. I actually wet myself standing up too. I just lost all control. I think the pee snapped me out of it though because as I felt the warmth of my leg, I started backing away and as I backed away, it sprinted to the left towards the cove where the dogs were and I ran upstairs. I actually chipped my tooth falling into the stairs, still chipped to this day as well, and I slammed the door shut and I even locked the latch before I left. I called my mum down and we called the dogs from the top of the stairs, but there was no response. We eventually went down there and both the dogs were huddled together in the corner of the cove and it took a good five minutes to get them to leave the corner and come upstairs with us. In fact, we had to pull them apart and walk them up with us holding their collars. The last one is short and simple, but probably the worst experience that I had in that house. So in that same basement, there's a furnace room to the left of the stairs, about 15 feet away from the stairs. It is dark, cramped, and has all kinds of luggage and extra supplies in it and all sorts of just stuff. And the day before Thanksgiving, we were preparing for the family to arrive. My mother sent me to get the Thanksgiving table decor, or whatever it's called, and as I walked down the stairs, I saw the furnace room door was cracked open. At that, I sort of stopped dead in my tracks because that door, it was never left open. We were always told to close it so that the dogs don't get in and really, my parents made a, a big deal about it to be honest. I stayed on the stairs too and just stared at that door. I felt the hair on my neck raise and my fists clenched out of instinct and as I stared, in the crack of the door, I see a sort of smile and then an eye. The eye was so close to being human, but also not really. It's hard to explain it, but it was as though something had been observing humans to mimic them, but couldn't quite get its face just right. But with that, and the memory of what happened down here last time, I quickly ran up the stairs, and as I did... I heard the creak of the furnace door open further, slammed and locked the door, and that was the last time that I ever went into that basement. 
From that point on, my parents never made me go back in the basement again and delegated my basement chores to my siblings. And even though I know that they didn't believe me, it was a, a truly generous gesture that I am forever thankful for. Funnily enough too, since we moved, I've never experienced anything abnormal in any of our houses. I'm 26 now, I have never had any issues with the paranormal since then. I like to rationalize by telling myself that it was fear and my brain was just playing tricks on me, but I don't know, a part of me just knows that it wasn't. This story takes place in North Italy back in 2014. It was early September and a friend of mine asked me to make a short hike in the woods near his town and I agreed since I love hiking. We prepared our backpacks, grabbed some food and we drove to the place. My friend knew the area pretty well so we didn't take a map or anything. We also didn't have flashlights because we only planned to return to the car in like a few hours and in early September daylight lasts pretty long here so there was really no need for it. As we went deeper into the woods we saw beautiful spots, small rivers, a pair of caves that we explored. They were small and had only like one big chamber but we had lunch and proceeded to sort of follow a trail in a deeply wooded area. After around half an hour, I would say, we were at that point around 50 minutes away from the car since we'd stopped so many times to snap photos or explore areas, we arrived at a, a pretty large clearing. Now, in that clearing, there were a bunch of around maybe four or five people, normally dressed, and they were just talking and laughing and stuff. There was really nothing suspicious about them either just super ordinary people like me and my friend talking to each other. They obviously saw us too since the clearing had no trees or rocks to cover the view and we couldn't avoid that since the trail, after a deep curve, immediately ends into the clearing proceeding to the other side of it. So we said, once approaching them, since they were in the middle of the track, hey there, what's up? They didn't answer back and just sort of started to stare at us without saying a single word. This obviously launched a huge red flag in my mind. We stopped too and I looked at my friend. He looked back at me concerned. We said again, hey, but there was no answer. I started to feel uneasy so we decided to return back to the car at this point. But soon after we headed back we realized that they started to follow us. As we noticed it, we yelled, why are you following us? Did we do something wrong? Yeah, we were young and pretty stupid. In these kinds of situations, it's often run immediately and get out of there if people act like this. But again, there was no answer. Obviously, we proceeded to walk faster and tried to get off the trail. It was a pretty dumb choice, but again, my friend did know the area pretty well but they were always around it, maybe a 15 meter distance. We started to panic at this, so we looked again at each other and agreed to get out of there quickly. And as soon as we began to run, we heard them start to run too. This obviously really freaked us out, and we did our best to put some distance between us and them. Another thing that made me panic though was the fact that 
We were, as said, around 40 minutes away from the car at that point, in a very isolated area, so I thought that we pretty much had no hope. At some point or another too, when we were about maybe halfway back, we noticed that they weren't behind us anymore. We thought that maybe and luckily we managed to lose them or something on our track. The area, as we said, is pretty heavily wooded and has plenty of slopes, so it's pretty easy to get lost if you're not used to it. Plus, we took an off-trail way that my friend knew. We hid behind a thick bush, though, and we decided to try and listen for a bit. There was nothing but silence. No footsteps, no voices. Keep in mind, too, that even when they were following us, they didn't say a single word. So we took a deep breath and we managed to return to the car eventually, trying our best to be as silent as we could. Upon getting to the car too, we just threw everything in the back, jumped in and we raced out of there as quickly as we could. But it doesn't end here because as we left the woods on the main road, we saw coming from a secondary road another car behind us. It was definitely them and they were following us again. We were positive too that it was the same people because one, they were basically tailgating us. Two, the area is very rarely visited and there were absolutely zero cars except for my friend's one and three, their car, it had no plates. We drove to my friend's town, avoiding going to his house obviously, taking every country road and every turn that we made, they did as well. As we reached the town square, they made a U-turn though and returned back to the wooded direction that they came from. Obviously though, we were absolutely terrified and we immediately called the police and informed them as we approached the town square and as they approached us. Since me and my friend were basically crying as we got out of the car at this point to check that area out, but there was no evidence of activity in the following hours. They never did show up again anymore in the following days, but we became really paranoid. For like weeks on end, we refused to leave our houses. And this is exactly why I've taken a break from hiking for about four years now. I have no idea who they were and why they acted like they did, but that experience, it definitely left me with a pretty big scar. So I have three kids and two of them they actually have autism and to put it simply, it's hard. Anyway, I was fast asleep a few weeks ago in bed and I just felt like I wasn't alone in the room aside from the missus next to me asleep. We are light sleepers as our smallest wanders the house at night. But I open my eyes and on my side of the bed, my middle child, a girl, she has autism, was just sort of standing over me, just standing there in her nightie. Oh, hey baby, what's up? Nothing. Honey, are you okay? Nothing again. Honey, at this point I'm starting to freeze in my skin because... There's like absolutely no motion or response, but she has sleepwalked before and done this before, but 
That was probably about eight years ago now. Without going into too many details, I refuse to look away and I constantly look at her hands for any kind of objects. Honey, what do you want? At this point, I'm blindly nudging the missus. I'm sweating bricks because this is definitely not normal now. And I hear the missus stir and go, what? But I'm still trying to get through to my girl with no success. And this is the point where my missus turns on the bedside lamp and goes, what's up? This was also the exact moment that my daughter just vanished into thin air like vapor. I swear to everything that is holy and true and all the gods above that I almost followed through straight in that bed. I quickly got up and checked on the kids, but all of them were fast asleep in bed. I've had a few things happen in that house, but that one, that one was as real as the phone that I'm sharing this on now. I was living in Berlin in Germany and my boyfriend at the time lived about five hours drive away. So I had planned to go and see him like every fortnight for the weekend and I used the carpooling site blah blah car which I had used many times before this. I see that a young man is heading down that way and that there's already one seat taken by another girl so I reserve my seat and wait for this person to come and fetch me. We meet up at the spot that he agreed to and he explains to me that the other girl had to cancel last minute which is totally fine I suppose. Odd but I mean it can happen. Anyway I jump in, the driver Ben seems pretty nice, talkative. And just before leaving Berlin too he turns to me and explains that he's forgotten his driver's license at home and that we must go and fetch it which is already a bit of a pain because it's on the other side of town and Berlin is big. And let's be honest too, you know that you're going away for the whole weekend and that you have a really big journey and you forget your license? I don't know. Anyway, moving on, we get to his and he parks and turns to me and says, would you like to come in with me and visit my place? I was like, uh, no thank you. And after about five minutes, off we go. He's talking away and all of a sudden starts touching my thigh and explains that he's a personal trainer and also a massager. And I was like, good for you, guy. I made it quite clear, though, that I was heading to my boyfriend's and that I was not comfortable. He continues touching my hands, my thighs, and my neck. And at that point, I was sort of like, should I get out? I mean, I am on a motorway, already about two hours away from Berlin, and it's traffic jammed. And so, unfortunately, five hours ended up being like seven hours. My plan was to pretend that I was asleep. I thought that that way I don't have to interact with him and he might just leave me alone. Thing is, I really fell asleep, and when I wake up, I realize that I am in the middle of nowhere. Like on tiny roads in the middle of a forest and the guy turns to me and says you know if I wanted to I could kidnap you and take you into the woods right I played tough and I said you don't scare me I'm planned for all situations 
He didn't seem to take any notice, and my boyfriend rang me at that point. I explained everything, and I kept him posted. So, as we come out of these woods, he decides that it's now time to eat, so we lose another 45 minutes while he does his own thing. I basically tell him at this point too that I'm fed up and I want no more stops and he tells me that he's tired and that in order to do so and keep himself awake, I must massage him. I felt totally stuck so I briefly touched his neck as in to say, now move. Eventually we arrived finally and my boyfriend was not there waiting for me because I didn't want him to get into a fight. But I got out of the car quickly and I reported him to the carpooling site, and he's now been banned. I really hope too that this never happens to anyone else because, let me tell you, while I put up a pretty tough exterior, I was definitely panicking on the inside. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Be Scared Podcast. And please, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode too. Also, it would be much appreciated if you could share this new podcast with your friends and family and on social media too. Thanks again for listening, guys, and I'll see you mates in the next one. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.